0: Burn that rubber like I'm Michelin. Five-star food that I dish to them. Shifts that on when I whip it in the kitchen and I switch suits like I'm Mr. Ben. 10-10, mm-hmm. shift up to fifth. Blues in the rear and I'm swerving the mains like Tokyo Drift. Took a shot, but he missed. Then made love to the grin and kissed kiss the girl. What's the word? I dodge a case, so I the bird. Grab the bin, get back to work. and I'm switching lanes in the black town. i out I'll hurt hurting. One thing's for sure and two things for certain. Money gets made in the packs I'm serving. And mess with a cake and I bet him a burger. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Maestro Knows. Originally, in today's episode, I was going to talk about the Manchester United midfield and just cover the profile of the midfield and make some recommendations for the types of players that I want us to sign going forward. Uh, spoiler alert, those players were going to be Caicedo, Frank DeYoung, or Declan Rice. So not all three, either one of the three. Uh, however, in that time, in the time since I've been building the profile for uh, the episode, Manchester United has had a bid accepted for Mason Mount. And we anticipate that he's going to be signed sometime this week, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. So I'm going to do this a little differently instead of uh just talking about you know the midfield and some of the recommendations i'm actually going to talk about mason mount and what he offers to manchester united to the team or he brings to the team and what type of player he is as well right uh, so i'm going to focus on that more broadly with Maestro Nose, I also want to start covering, you know, topics, not just, you know, scouting the team, but some topics that are interesting as well, right? So the next episode, I want to cover the history of the Glazers. I think there's a lot of people who, there are a lot of people who know that Manchester United fans don't like the Glazers and have a lot of problems, but I don't think people will actually understand why. So I want to do a profile on the Glazers and just talk about, you know, um their history with the club and their time at the club and why people are, you know, people don't like their, their time at the club. So especially with the sale of the, of the team happening hopefully soon, fingers crossed, uh, I think that's pertinent and hopefully you'll enjoy that episode as well. But I digress. For this, for today, we're going to be talking about Mason Mount. Let's jump right in. So who is Mason Mount? Mason Mount, if I had to describe him in one word, one of the things, one of the attributes that makes him stand out is his flexibility. Now, I know hearing that a lot of times people associate the ability to be flexible, especially when it comes to, you know, positional flexibility to be something that is not necessarily an advantage. So you hear things like, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. And Mason Mount is one of those people where when you watch him, it's really hard to understand what he's actually excellent at. But in this case, when I talk about flexibility, I actually do mean it as a compliment. I think uh, he's extremely good at a number of positions. Now, would I say he is, you know, like a specialist, like say a Caicedo, for example, at central, you know, um, defensive midfield does he excel in one position that way? No. But I think when you look at him, he has the ability to play in multiple positions and function in many areas of the pitch. And in this new style of of tactical, you know, a tactical setup for a lot of different coaches, there's a reason why the coaches that have been linked with signing Mason Mount are people who are, again, tactical coaches, right? So you think of um Klopp wanted him. Arteta wanted him. Ten Hag wants him. So there's something that they see in that flexibility that appeals to them. Macy Mount has played across all the attacking positions and the midfield positions, with the exception of the defensive midfield. So he has shown the ability to play as a false nine, to play at the right wing, left wing, number eight, number 10. He's played in all of these positions. And this speaks to the second attribute that I'm going to talk talk about, which is his intelligence. His off-ball intelligence, especially, which allows him to find, again, these pockets of space, pockets of areas within the pitch that he can function in. Tremendous intelligence that way. And I think that's something that when you're an English player and you're young and you're successful, he's only 24, you know, he's had multiple loan spells before breaking into the Chelsea team. He's been, I believe, the Chelsea player of the season at least once, maybe twice. You know, people tend to look at you and say, "Okay, I can't see what makes you special. I think you're overrated. And maybe there was a time that he was overrated, but I think he's actually underrated now because a lot of people almost look at him as, I don't see what he's going to offer to the team. That That intelligence that I talk about, is not like an insignificant thing. And one thing that I want to mention, and we'll get to this one when, when I talk about, you know, where I see him playing for United, I think when you look at a successful team, you have at least one Mason Mount in your team for any successful team anywhere. And I'll again, I'll talk about this when I talk about how I see him fitting United, some examples of other players that I, I think he he, when you think of him, you can compare him to, and we can, we can focus on that. So right now I've talked about his flexibility, intelligence, technical ability, and athleticism are the next two that I'm going to focus on. Now, when I talk about technical ability, people are going to automatically start thinking of people like, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, for example, or, um, who else can I, can I think of some of these geniuses with the ball that just never seem to lose the ball that are extremely press-resistant and can play... I'm not saying he's that style. He definitely is a technical player in terms of the ability to hold on to the ball, to be press-resistant, not to the extent of some of the absolute best players in the world. But again, I don't want to talk about the United angle right now, but just thinking about like the players within United automatically he becomes you know in that midfield top two technical players in terms of press resistance for sure right so for me that technical ability and athleticism that's the other part right so if you look at a lot of players and again I'll compare him to the United players but what he gives you is a unique balance of being able to be technical but also being very athletic in terms of being able to do a multitude of things on the pitch physically, right? So if that's, you know, being extremely like a very, very good presser, which he is uh, an outstanding, intense presser, and, you know, just the energy levels that stay high throughout the game. Like when we look at someone like Bruno Fernandes, for example, that's one of the talents that Bruno has is availability, of course, but just the energy that he plays with, not just... You know, within the game, but from one game to the next and sustaining those energy levels over a season, that's a talent. That's something that Mason Mount also has. Uh, He's a very good carrier of the ball. Now, when we talk about carrier of the ball, it's to describe it is, you know, some people, again, maybe I should even just start with the United angle because, you know, um, some of this will make more sense. You know, if I look at United, for example, and I start to compare him to some of the midfielders we have, we don't have very good carriers of the ball. And the carrier of the ball is somebody that can advance the ball by running primarily, but even, say, by passing into the attacking areas of the pitch. So, for example, if I look at the United team, let's take Scott, for example. Scott is the master of the sideways pass. He's the master of the pass that has no risk. So when he gets the ball, he never looks forward, right? Every once in a while, maybe he'll try to run forward. But then once he gets into those attacking positions, he's inevitably going to look for a sideways pass instead of trying to progress the pass forward. That's what I mean by carry of the ball. Now, that's something that Mason Mount is very good at. So again, being able to function in tight spaces, not anything super crazy again, but being able to... Function in tight spaces enough to be able to get the ball. So an example I'll give you is if you watch Brighton play, for example, people always wonder how are they able to play through the press, right? Now, Caicedo is somebody that is extremely press resistant, so I won't use Caicedo as an example. But you look at some of the other people in midfields someone like a McAllister. He's not extremely, he's not like technical at the highest levels, or even press resistant at the highest levels. Again, those that top percentile, but what he's able to do is he's able to assess what's going on around him and be able to be technical enough that when he gets the ball, he doesn't need 10 touches to get the ball off his feet. You juxtapose that to somebody like Fred or even Scott, it's like they get the ball, they need a second to get the ball under control, then they need to assess what's going on before they can make a pass. Right. So that's not even that's like almost no press resistance at all. So for me, he's a really good passer of the ball, whether that's short or long range passing. Please understand what I'm saying. In all of these, just imagine that I'm talking about somebody who is an eight out of ten or seven point five out of ten. Right? As opposed to being the absolute best at these individual um, items that I'm, I'm listing, which is why I started with flexibility as his biggest trait. So for me, flexibility, the ability to function in multiple areas of the pitch and play multiple positions, the fact that he's an intense presser, he's off the ball intelligence, his technical ability and athleticism, good carrier of the ball and a good passer. These are the, you know, some of the attributes that I would say when you're talking about missing Mounts, this is who he is now. Some of these, again, like I said, will not show up in a game as readily as somebody who has the ability to create a chance, you know, like somebody like, you know, that can that can create different chances that lead directly into assists or somebody that is a really good dribbler or somebody that's really good at winning back the ball, like a CDM, like Declan Rice or Caicedo, or some, you know, like... It doesn't lend itself to being visible, but it's always present, and it's the kind of player that when he's on your team, your team just plays better because he's there, especially if the position that he's replacing is a position that was weak, which in this Manchester United case is the case is is you know, we needed this position to offer more than it's offered already. so I think you know, again, to break some of it down, I, I've talked about like his his attributes. Uh, what I think we're going to see, and I'll cover this in the next session as well, is great on-ball technique from him that allows us to progress the ball down the field. Again, off-the-ball pressing intelligence that will allow us to control the ball, control the game. So when I talked about Onana, for example, I said one of the things that a signing like Onana ad- ad- allows you to do is when you press, you can press more aggressively. And when you when you don't get the ball, if, for example, the team that you're pressing decides they want to, you know, play the ball out, like just blast the ball out instead of trying to play it out, you know, in short passes, just like play a long ball or Nana is able to get the ball, you know, uh, get, see what's happening, spot that, get the ball and then recycle it for the rest of the team. Now, Mount is not going to do exactly that, but because of, because of the intelligence that he has in terms of positional awareness and off the ball pressing intelligence, he's going to allow, he's going to be that first, uh, especially in midfield, that first point of the press that allows you to be able to win the ball back at a high rate when you do lose the ball in situations and then you want to start pressing the ball. So, Those are some of the things, again, that I I think he's excellent at and he's really good at and he's going to offer to to this Manchester United team. So for the next part, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to do a quick comparison to what we currently have and then talk about where I see him fitting in in the team and how I think he's going to play, um, how we are going to play with him in the team as well. So how would we play Manchester United? How would we play with Mason Mount? Going back to that positional um, flexibility that I talked about, I suspect that he's going to afford us the luxury of playing multiple formations. If I had to pick one, I would say 4-3-3 is where I would lean towards. But again, we've seen United pr- primarily play 4-2-3-1. Uh, and, and so in 4-2-3-1, what we have is obviously the four defenders. We have two sitting midfielders. We have Bruno playing as a number 10. We have the wingers. And then we have the striker. Uh, towards the end of last season, you saw Bruno begin to play a little deeper as a, as a number 8 as opposed to a, a pure number 10. And that worked, especially in some of the games that we really played well. Um, that worked really well. Bruno's range of passing in those games and his just ability to actually slow down and control the game a little bit more was evident. And so I think we can see something like that. So four three three is where I'm leaning towards because that gives us the ability to play with two advanced eights. So again, if you if we're thinking about just positions within the team, um, the number ten is a midfielder that plays a little f- further up the pitch. So almost think about somebody that plays behind the striker. And then the midfielders, the two sitting midfielders or the the defensive midfielder would be a number six. And then you have your number eight. So in our team, someone like Erickson is a number eight who has played number eight for us. Scott McTominay is a number eight. Casemiro would be a six because he's, again, a defensive midfielder. And usually that's the last line before you get to the defense. In this case, what I can see with Mason Mount is First of all, let me compare him to some of the players that we currently have. So again, I've mentioned Eriksson, I've mentioned Fred, I've mentioned Scott McTominay. If I look at Mason versus those three players I mentioned, to me, he offers more to our team right away than any one of those players that I mentioned. Again, Scott, Fred, Erickson. Uh, I think Fred is in has like some of the abilities that Mason has in terms of an intense presser of the ball, but isn't technical. So what ends up happening with Fred is that even when Fred wins back the ball, he is still prone to losing it because he doesn't have the technical ability to be press resistant. So if you win the ball, you're most likely going to play the ball back because that's the safest pass. He doesn't have great technical ability in terms of his passing range. So again, prone to being able to lose it or at least not making those forward passes. And then... That's even on the defensive side, on the attacking side in terms of building out. So when we try to build out from the back, for example, you know, and we've seen this from players that say Fred getting the ball is the trigger for them to press because they know that he cannot control the ball in one, you know, one move. He has to take a few touches and then control the ball. So Fred, good, defensively somewhat, not great going forward. I think Ericsson... Great technically going forward, passing range, all those things absolutely great going forward. Physically and defensively, he offers very little, and we saw that again towards the end of the season that Man, Man City FA Cup final. But in some of the other performances, he was just very weak, very timid. Now, in his defense, he was coming off a, a pretty uh, let me not say major injury, but he was a, a significant injury, you know. And I think he rushed back to make himself available for the team. So I suspect he'll be better, especially physically going into the season. But he doesn't have the same athleticism that Mason Mount has. He doesn't have the same legs in terms of just the energy levels that Mason Mount has. And so, again, he's technical, he's technical, but not defensively up to the same level that Mason will offer. Scott is a little bit of everything, but, you know, less than less than um, less than he's not great pressing he's not great technically he's not press resistant so again with him you're not getting the same types of levels that you're talking about with with uh with mason mount so going back to what i think he does for us again i see him playing as a number eight now that allows us to be able to play with you know either two advanced number eight or so him and bruno playing as number eight and because again i spoke in the first section about his his awareness of space, his awareness of being able to walk in different pockets of space within the pitch, I think that allows um, allows him to be able to recognize gaps that Bruno might leave as he gets forward and acts as the number 10, moving from that number eight position into a more attacking position and being able to move around the pitch and anticipate, okay, based on this space being, you know, um... Uh, left like this space being uh, vacated by Bruno I need to cover this space so that's that intelligence that I talked about I think that allows him to be able to function not just as a cover for Bruno but be able to anticipate the flow of the game and where he needs to be and having him and Casemiro function in those types of positions I think is going to change the way that this team plays drastically. Drastically. I don't know that you'd be able to look at the team and say, Oh, this is the one thing that absolutely changed. But I think you'll just watch and you'll see that we're playing better, and the things just kind of make sense and they fit much better together because he's on the pitch with someone like Bruno. Uh, so that's where I see him really, really, you know, making an impact to the team is coming in, playing as a number eight. The one thing I haven't even talked about, he has really good numbers. So again, going forward, he's a good passer of the ball. He's able to show up into the ball to be able to get his own goals as well. So he does score a significant amount of goals. Last season, he didn't play great for Chelsea, but nobody did at Chelsea, to be honest, right? Last season was just a a dumpster fire for the entire Chelsea team. But if you look at his numbers from the season before, he had 16, uh, 16 goals and 14 assists. Right, so he he actually does have the ability to get goals. This is somebody again in the biggest moments he does show up. You go and look at that Champions League game; he was the one who created the assist. And when you even watch that goal, you can see that pass that he gives to uh, Kai Havertz a phenomenal pass. Like I think in our team, very few people maybe Casemiro in midfield and Bruno are the only people I can think I can actually make that pass. So you can look at those, type, those that, that again and you see, okay, he does have really, really good attacking numbers. And when you watch him, you actually see that reflected. He's a good finisher. So do I think he's going to get, you know, I, I think he's easily, you can air him up, you can mark him down for at least, you know, 10 goals, 10 assists. That's like, he's one of those type of guys that he's going to give you 10 goals, 10 assists. The other thing that I look at when I think of Mason Mount as well from a United standpoint is he is the kind of player that when you look down two years from now, three years from now, when he's 27 and you look at the the team in, in its entirety, you can pinpoint the team building that happened with him, right? So he's not the flashiest signing, but every team that wins has a Mason Mount right and and so it in this example like if i use someone like bernardo silver i think that's a really good um comparison now bernardo is more more technically gifted than he is in terms of again that ability to play out of tight spots that dribbling ability you can kind of see a little bit more from bernardo but to me very very similar in terms of that mold right um in terms of the ability to 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 do a bunch of different things on the pitch, be heavily press, re- be press resistant, have you know the ability to uh, be a very good presser of the ball when your team doesn't have the ball, uh, have the technical ability, also be able to create chances, also have the ability to score. To me, that's a very good p- comparison for for him. Uh, just again, in terms of the way that they function on the pitch, you could also look at somebody like Gundogan. You could look at somebody like Jude Bellingham. Of course, Je- Bellingham has. Way more hype, way more, you know, like Bellingham is probably like um, when, when people compare both of them will say, OK, Bellingham is going to be a better version of whatever Mount is. So if Mount is functioning as a 7.5 in multiple positions, you can say Jude Bellingham is going to be an 8.5 or a 9 in, in multiple positions. Personally, I don't know if that's actually true. A lot of people say he's great. I am waiting to see it. In, I guess he's going to Madrid now. In Spain, it will be easier for him to do it because obviously he's going to be um, playing in an extremely talented Madrid team. But he's going to have a lot of competition. And so we, we will see you know how that goes. But those are some of the types of players that I, I would say, again, just from the standpoint of what they offer to the team, they offer a bunch of different things. I think for him, because he's English it's hard for people to like even accept the fact that he's a technically very good player, right? And so, um, but again, you see the types of coaches that he's thrived under, Thomas Tuchel, Um I don't want to mention the England manager, but you know some of those coaches, Lampard, that have come in, they, they tend to gravitate towards him and they like him um, as a player. So I think he's definitely going to offer a lot of qualities that we need. He's going to be an upgrade to the midfield that we have. And the last part that I haven't talked about yet is on the right-hand side. So depending on if he plays on the right or on the left, right now, because we have um, a void in that position, the other number eight position, again, if that's right or left, I'm going to make the assumption he's going to play on the right. When you look at the right side of our team, you can see that there is a lack of lack of cohesion in terms of the, the, the play that we have. So when you look at the left side, you know, whether that's Rashford or whether that's, you know, even Sancho when he plays there or uh, Garnacho when they play with Shaw, you could see that there's a little bit more cohesion. That's why we're able to create more chances there. Bruno is also able to play there and link up the play as well because things just kind of work the way they're supposed to on that side. I think when you look at the other side, now when you have a Bruno and a Mount on either one, so if Mount plays on the right, for example, I think that underlapping that he can offer to the wingers or to the fullback um, is going to be incredible for the gameplay. Right now, when the ball goes to the right, it's, it's only the winger and the fullback that are playing. The midfielder is not involved, so if that's Scott or Fred, and to a lesser extent, even Erickson. They don't have the physicality or the technical ability to be intensely involved in the play. So a lot of times when you see Anthony, Anthony is one-on-one on one or one-on-two, and then you have the the fullback, whether that's Dalou or um, Wambasaka, overlapping on that side to compensate for what we miss. With Mason Mounts, it's going to be different because now he can underlap or he can overlap depending on what who has the ball in that position. And he can also be available to play those one-twos with the winger, with the fullback. He can, you know, play the triangles with the fullback, the winger. Again, it just opens up those areas of the pitch in a way that we've not been able to exploit. And I think you then get to see the best of someone like Sancho or Anthony or Amadi, you know, if he ends up staying or whoever it is that comes and plays in that position, right? You end up seeing a lot more from them because there will be more cohesion in terms of the style of play that we have there. So for me, that's what I think he offers to the team. Um, obviously, this is somebody that... Well, let me not say obviously, because this might be news to a lot of people, but Ten Hag has wanted him for a very long time. So even when he played in... When he had a loan spell in Holland, um, you know, he played for Vitesse Arnhem. Uh, Ten Hag saw him at the time when he played in the league and wanted to sign him for Ajax. Ch- Chelsea didn't want to sign, didn't want to sell him at the time. He ended up going to Derby and then getting into the Chelsea team. You know when Frank Lampard became um, the manager. So you know, even just looking at the trajectory, this is not so- something that a lot of people might look at it and think, "Oh, this came from left field." Not for Ten Hag; he's always wanted the player. Now, in the last part, I'll just talk about you know, why I wanted Caicedo and some of the differences between what I think Caicedo offers and what Mount is going to offer. So I mentioned that Caicedo would have been my ideal sign-in. The reason why I wanted Caicedo, and really, when I say Caicedo, you can also make the argument for Declan Rice in here as well. Uh, I, I Figured he was going to Arsenal pretty early on, so he was never really even an option in my mind. But those two players... Okay, let me let me take a step back. First of all, in my opinion, the number eight position is more of a need than the number six position. The two players I just mentioned, Declan Rice and Caicedo, play six. So the need is actually not greater for those players than it would be for Mason Mount, which is why I love the Mason Mount signing. But the reason why I was leaning towards Kaiseido in this instance is because the talent level, right? Like, so again, if I go back to what they do, they are extremely, they are excellent and elite at that number six position. And I think having either Kaiseido or Declan Rice paired with a Casemiro, for example, you might not play four three three, 3 but you could, you also still have, you know, the ability to play 4-3-3. You could play Kaiseido as your six and then play Casemiro as an eight along with Bruno. You could play actually 4-2-3-1 where you have two, you have your Casemiro and Caicedo playing, and then you have Bruno as a number 10, and you have Casemiro and Caicedo in midfield. And when one goes forward, the other one covers, and vice versa, right? And so because these are extremely intelligent players that are elite, especially at things like winning the ball back, tackling, you just don't see people pass these guys. I think defensively, but even offensively, it really would have helped the team. And the thing that sets Caicedo apart, I think Declan Rice as well, sorry, but both of them apart, is for me, when I watch Caicedo, you never see him lose the ball. He is extremely press resistant. And for a defensive midfielder, it kind of blows my mind how he's able to play in tight positions and just, again, that positional versatility right? He might not be the person that's creating a lot of chances, but if you're extremely press resistant and even if your technical ability on the ball is not excellent, right? What it means is that you don't lose the ball, so you are able to move into midfield, into advanced areas, and still be able to offer something. Now, attacking, I don't think he offers as much to us as Mason Mount does, but defensively, he is absolutely elite, right? Now, going back to what I said, I do think the number eight is more of a positional need than the number six. So I am extremely happy with what Mason Mount is going to give us in that position. And like I've mentioned already a number of times, just the versatility he's going to offer us is going to be incredible for the team. And it allows us to be able to play Bruno, um, you know, He can cover for Bruno if Bruno doesn't doesn't play. We know Bruno is going to play most of the games, but he can play at number 10, right? He can play with Ericsson and Casemiro, for example. And so I think just what he offers us in terms of that is going to make the team so much better and it's going to show up in just the team playing, you know, more smooth attacking football. Now you, you look at signing him, signing Onana, that's extremely exciting. Just those two signings alone, I don't know if we'll get Hoyland or any other strikers. But if we sign Onana and we sign Miss mounts, the difference in, in what you'll see with this team is going to be stark. Because now, from a pressing standpoint, from an advancing the ball, it's going to be much harder for teams to press us. And then progressing the ball to create chances is going to be much easier for us because we have fewer weak links within the team. And so you'll see a much improved version of Manchester United that way. That brings us to the end of another episode of Maestro Knows. Uh, Like I mentioned, the next episode is going to be about the history of the Glazers. I'm hoping that by the time I put that out, the sale of the team will already be complete, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, The What With Fergie Do podcast will be back next week. We had some unforeseen events that led to us not recording this week. But we'll be back. As always, please please like uh, and share. Five stars on on every platform available. So, again, there's Apple Podcasts, there's Spotify, there's Google Podcasts. It really does help us grow the podcast. Please give uh, five stars. And if there are any topics that you want me to cover as well... Uh, Please feel free to reach out to us on any one of the social media platforms. We're on Instagram, What Would Fergie Do? TikTok and Twitter, also What Would Fergie Do? Thank you, as always, for listening to this episode. Peace.